Christianity Today put together a multi-episode podcast series that chronicles the story of Mars Hill Church led by Mark Driscoll. At the height of Mars Hill, they had 15,000-plus attendees slash members from 15 campuses. The church was planted in 1996, and it dissolved in 2014. CT has produced this podcast series for the encouragement and admonition of the body of Christ. What I have decided to do is I'm going to review, hopefully, each episode. And what I don't want to repeat the information in the podcast. You can listen to those podcasts if you wish. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to put forth a few insights that I have gleaned from this series that I can apply to my life, and I trust that you can apply to yours. I also hope that uh, we can think more clearly about our local churches, the ones that we attend to be a help, to be a partner in the gospel with our leadership and leadership teams so that we don't fall into the traps of, of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. Now, my goal, again, is not to repeat the information in the podcast. You can listen to that. There are also scores of reviews and commentaries and YouTube videos where people critique the podcast. They do the play-by-play Monday morning quarterback thing, and so that is not my point here. A key point aspect of our ministry is the log in our eye. And so as we see things that are going on in our culture, our first impulse should be to examine ourselves. And that was the point that Jesus was making in Matthew 7, verses 3, 4, and 5. And that is a vital cornerstone teaching, a value in our ministry. And so my goal here is not to continue to dig up what has happened in the past, but because this podcast series is probably the number one trending thing that's going on in Christianity today. Everywhere I turn, I see or hear somebody talking about it, uh, commenting on it, sharing it with others, and so, and I've been asked about it uh, myself, and though I am not necessarily interested in this type of information, uh, I because it is relevant, at least at this point in time with the Christian culture, I thought that it might be good for me to listen to it. But I want to listen to it from a different perspective, not necessarily to critique it, that I will do, but primarily I do want to assess uh, what am I missing about my walk with the Lord? What am I missing about my local church? We can be so in love with the things that are a part of our lives, like our local church, that we can willfully blind ourselves, or even when we sense that things are not right, we can kind of check the box and and move on because the Lord is doing good things here and we can ignore something that maybe we shouldn't ignore. Now, I am not suggesting that you be inspector cynicism or inspector suspicion as you walk around your church building or as you interact with your leaders. That would be wrong as well. But we want to have full discernment, not partial discernment. We want to see the good things that are going on in our lives in our churches, and we want to be honest. 
and transparent and open about the things that we could shore up, so some things that we can change. And so as I listen to this podcast series from Christianity Today titled The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, I want to come at it with my responses in this podcast series that I am doing with the log firmly planted in in our eyes as we uh, sadly and even prayerfully uh, pray for the folks that were part of Mars Hill, pray for Mark Driscoll, that the Lord would do a good work in his heart, and as we humbly examine ourselves, uh, so we too can learn, grow, and, and mature in our uh, spheres of influence. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am glad that you are here. If you want to read a skeletal outline of what I'm sharing with you, then go to our ministry's website. Look for episode 353. It's titled The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, episode 1 response. And so this is a response to episode number one. They've done about seven or eight at this point. I don't know how many they're going to do. Uh, I will uh, listen to each one and then hopefully offer some what I trust will be beneficial to you. My aim in working through these episodes, again, is just to help folks to think through the church that they attend. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time examining the spec, Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll, but I do want us to examine our lives and our leadership culture and potentially identify things that may be evident that we kind of see, but we don't see. They're not clearly apparent. And again, if you want to read commentaries on on this podcast series, there is, there's a lot of money Monday morning quarterbacking uh, that is going on, and you can find that on on the internet. All right, so the first question that I want to deal with at the top of all of these reviews of this episode series from Christianity Today is should you listen to it? And I have five responses to that. The first one is the most obvious one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that, that's between you and the Lord and maybe a, a good friend that you can, you, you can talk to. Number two, should you listen to it? Well, if you lean toward gossip and National Enquirer-type information, National Enquirer is a gossip rag that, that I, don't, I don't even know if it's still in print any longer, but uh, when I was much younger, I would see it in gro- grocery stores. But, but if you lean toward gossip and kind of a busybody, if you spend your days, if you spend too much time on Facebook just strolling uh, going through streams and and seeing what's going on in other people's lives, maybe it would be better for you to take an hour, which is the length of episode one of the Christianity Today podcast. Maybe it would be better just to take an hour to pray, 30 minutes to pray and 30 minutes to read uh, your Bible if you just tend to be interested in this kind of stuff, but it doesn't add value and you're not going to spend time reflectively thinking about it, assessing yourself, your own life, how can you change some weak spots in your own sanctification, or maybe how you can come alongside your local church leadership and and help them and really partner with them in the gospel that you all are doing and expanding at your local churches. And so that would be a huge caveat, and that would um, I would imagine would apply to a lot of people 
that, that this is just entertainment value. And I, I don't know, there's something that's kind of off about finding entertainment value on the demise of a local church and the demise of a, a local pastor. And so take that for what it's worth. Number three, if you have gone through a horrific church experience and you've not worked through the residual effects, it might not be good for you to listen to this podcast. I know what it's like to go through a horrific church experience, and it can take years, literally. It can take years to overcome uh, what happened during that time, that church season in your life. And I know that many of you have gone through horrific church experiences. You come to us. You're on our forums. You talk about it. And I would have a concern that this could be triggering to you as they talk about some of the stuff that happened at at Mars Hill and with Mark Driscoll. And so just let that be a warning to you. And I would appeal to you possibly it it might be just best for you to to move on to something else as you continue to work through what happened to you. Number four, if things like the demise of Mars Hill are not triggering to you and you want to pick up insights on how to serve your leaders at your local church, more effectively, then potentially this could be good for you because we can be blind to our own blindness and we can be so in love with something like our leaders and our local churches that we are missing things that are quite evident and maybe the Lord would use this series to uh, point to some of those things that maybe you need to address in your personal life or with your local church. And again, I don't want you to be walking around your churches like inspector cynicism or inspector suspicion. No, we, we don't enter into relationships uh, that way. But if you again, if you're not triggered by this, um, you might find some redemptive value to it. And then finally, number five, should you listen, if your primary desire is to examine the log in your eye, there will there will be a lot in this episode series that will challenge you and your humility will open the way for God's empowering favor to impact you. And so those are my five caveats as to whether you should uh, listen or not. Now, before I get into talking about this particular series, uh, this particular episode, episode one is titled, Who Killed Mars Hill? That is the point of episode one in the CT series titled, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I think it's important to talk just a little bit about presuppositional truth. The pre- Everybody has a presupposition. A presupposition is like a window glass. It's like a window in your living room. And depending on the color of that glass, it will determine how you interpret everything on the other side of that glass. Well, Christianity today has a presupposition. They have a an interpretive filter. And it's that filter that brings interpretation to everything that they talk about, including this journalistic endeavor about the rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, Church. Now, Christianity Today is not a purely Christian organization, even though they call themselves Christianity Today. Christianity Today is a social justice, woke-leaning organization. That is a huge part of their presuppositional window, their worldview. And because of that, that's going to give them an interpretive filter in how they do their journalistic um 
endeavors and their commentary about Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. And so their doctrinal positions differ from a sufficiency authority of Scripture worldview at some points, and it's important for you to listen with discerning ears to pick up on that, because you can get so involved in the story that you turn discernment off and you don't even realize that you're being affected by the presuppositions of Christianity today, which, again, they have moved towards social justice and a woke-leaning organization. For example, uh, they talk about uh, Mark Driscoll's views on husband-wife hierarchy, complementarianism, and reform theology. They talk about throughout this podcast series. And if you don't listen carefully, you could think that those things are bad, though those things are fully supported by Scripture. There is a husband-wife hierarchy where the husband and leads and the wife submits. The Bible is very clear to uh, on that. There is a complementarian worldview put forth by Scripture and Reformed theology and Bible theology are essentially the same. But what CT does is they acknowledge that you know Mark believes in husband-wife hierarchy, complementarianism, and of course at that time Reformed theology, whether he believed in it or not, I am unsure because he no longer believes in it, and it just seems to be a pragmatic uh, position that he takes as far as his uh, doctrinal positions. But nevertheless, uh, if you're not careful, you could hear that these things are bad because Mark Driscoll is bad, but the people who are reporting on this, again, social justice, woke-leaning organization, and so their presuppositional perspectives and their commitments is going to influence how they think about those things, and you could end up throwing Reformed theology or complementarianism or the husband-wife hierarchy. You could end up throwing those things all out because Mark Driscoll believed in them, and Mark Driscoll is bad. And so just be careful as you listen. Now, one other point about presuppositional truth, this podcast is light on Scripture. Now, I realize that could be an unfair critique because I don't believe it's necessary that you attach a verse to every sentence that you write. That would not only be tedious, but it would be difficult on the readers because it would be so interruptive as far as a reading experience is concerned. But I'm just making a statement. I'm not making it critically. I'm just saying that this podcast, is this series, is light on Scripture, meaning they virtually talk they, ver- they don't talk about the Bible virtually at all. And the reason that I'm making that point is because of my first point, that they have a presuppositional position that is far different from mine, and they don't shore up whatever they are communicating with Scripture. Now, again, you don't have to add Scripture to every sentence you write, but the Scripture is not there, which means you're going to have to provide Scripture. You have to listen with discernment. And if you don't listen with discernment, you may be persuaded toward a presuppositional worldview that the Bible does not teach. Now, point number three under this uh, topic, if you're interested in storytelling, then it's a compelling story. 
It, it is a compelling story. I mean, it's just a, a human interest story. But it might be wise to pass on this podcast series. Again, if you tend toward tabloid news without biblical discernment or personal application, and so if you're just freewheeling through this and you kick your brain in neutral, uh, this might not be the series for you. This is podcast episode 353. I titled it The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which is the title of the CT series that they are doing. Episode 1, Response, and I've given a response to episode 1. Now, the way that I want to begin this is I want to share with you a paragraph. I'm just going to read a paragraph as it was written, and I want you to hear the irony in this paragraph, and I'll set up the irony for you. The irony is this. If every church, every church leader, every church member memorized this paragraph and plastered it over their leaders and compared their leaders to this paragraph, there would not be a Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast because this paragraph is the answer and the solution. And if we were beholding to this paragraph, if we made it real, practically real in our lives, in our churches, uh, we would save ourselves a lot of heartache and grief. Here's the paragraph. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. That's the paragraph. You know where it's from. First Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, written by Paul the Apostle to Timothy. If this was our mar- marching orders, if this was the, the dogma, if this, if this was the paragraph that we compared all of our leaders to and held our leaders to this standard, They would not be a podcast series called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And that's the irony of this. The leaders at Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll, uh, the church, I mean, this paragraph is as clear as day. It is a template. Uh, It is just the clearest of ways to be able to uh, identify a, a true leader and to position them, to install them in a place of leadership in a local church. But in the Mars Hill culture, there was a different uh, leadership style. There was a problematic leadership culture. Some of the things that they talked about in the podcast, here's, here's a list of about seven things. Uh, they called Mark Driscoll the cursing pastor, for example. But then they did caveat that by saying that there were very few evidences of him cursing as far as being on audio is is concerned, uh, and one instance where he did curse, he did apologize for that, and so CT was clear about that, which I did appreciate. But cursing and that kind of language, there's no 
place for that within a leadership culture. They also talked about harshness, uh, isolation, where Mark would isolate himself from his constituency. Uh, Number four, they talked about limited accountability. He had limited accountability. Number five, they talked about the authority structure that doesn't feel right. I put the word feel in quotation marks because I don't know what it means, but it just doesn't feel right. There's something here that is just a little bit off. And so as you think through this list, I have a couple more things, but as you think through this list, again, we're not examining Mars Hill. They dissolved in 2014, but you're you're thinking about your life. I'm thinking about mine. You're thinking about your church. I'm thinking about my church. What's the communication style of, of you, me, the leaders of our local churches? Cursing is, again, it was put forth by CT. Harshness, uh, do we isolate from people. And then tied to that, do we have limited accountability? Are your church leaders accountable? How do you know that they are accountable? Is is there an authority structure, which is very good in a local church, by the way, but it does not feel right. There's just something off. I can't put my finger on it, but there is something wrong with this authority structure. And then number six, they had a group of rubber stampers, those who refused to confront the leader. Now, I know that this is a huge thing with all of us because fear of man is a big deal, and we struggle with it to varying degrees. We are experiencing it with our own self-censoring with what's going on in our culture today. And we will self-censor as far as not speaking out against cultural issues. We will self-censor if we're in an authority structure, like uh, in a local church with pastors or elder board, a leadership team. And so Mark apparently surrounded himself with rubber stampers. And for whatever reason, they chose not to confront the leader. Do you have the courage to do that? Do you have the courage to speak up? If you don't, ultimately, you're, you're not serving your uh, sphere of influence as effectively as you could. I'm not talking about, again, being cynical and suspicious. Definitely not talking about being unkind and being harsh, but I am talking about being honest and being open about the things that we see from our perspective, though we could be wrong in what we are observing, but having an environment of grace that is receptive to all observations that are put forth in a spirit of humility is absolutely essential. The person who surrounds themselves with rubber stampers, well, it ties to the other points that I was making, isolating from others, limited accountability. Well, it would only make sense that you would have rubber stampers uh, within your primary circle of influence. And then finally, uh, number seven, there's a discontinuity between the leader's modeling of the gospel and the expectations the leader places on others, meaning that I preach to you that you must be this way and that way, but I am not this way and that way, and therefore there is a gap between the gospel that I communicate and the gospel that I that I model. And so these are seven huge points that came out of uh, episode number one, and they are worthy of our consideration. Now, another thing that they mentioned, CT mentioned in uh, this, this episode one is the pragmatism. And they said it this way. They said that there was a living contradiction in Mars Hill between the folks who attended there. And the contradiction, here's the phrase that they used, stunning life change and stunning pain. 
Think about that for a moment. That is a critical statement about what was so compelling about Mars Hill, stunning life change, but it was in the context of stunning pain. They were pointing toward pragmatism. Folks were getting results. The accent mark was on the results and not the methods that gained those results. In the case of Mars Hill, they focused heavily uh, toward men leading, wives submitting. They focused on being counter to the culture of the day. And there were so many results that people blinded themselves to the methodology, to the process that got to those results. And that is so easy for us to do, that we can put the accent mark on the results. We can be pragmatic Christians, and we can ignore things that are going on because the good is just that good. But if the good is so good, but yet there is a cancer on the underbelly of what is happening in your own life or in your own church, eventually the cancer will win out. Now, talking about pragmatism, uh, they also talked about the folks that promoted uh, Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, that there were a lot of people, and and maybe some of you, and there were also uh, celebrity pastors uh, who applauded Mark Driscoll because they too were looking at the results. They could they could uh, see the church growth. You could see the sermon downloads, millions of downloads. Uh, you can hear the leader's charisma, and you can applaud, but it's applauding without discernment. And so not only were people on the inside putting the accent mark on the results, but people on the outside were seeing this up-and-coming celebrity pastor, and they can see the following that was growing, but we're not asking enough questions. We're not looking insightfully, and that is the point that I want to make in this podcast, that we are looking at the entire person, not suspiciously, not cynically, uh, but out of a heart of love, a a spirit of grace, a, 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 a desire to, to help one another to grow. I mean, as I have told Lucia many times in our marriage, that if you don't speak into my life, well, then you see things that other people can't see. Well, then they're, they're, the opportunity for me to grow and change is, is limited. Now, I realize that I have to create an environment of grace uh, that makes it conducive for her to speak into my life and to be honest about the things that she sees in my life. But there has to be that kind of give and take. There has to be that kind of reciprocality because if we're on the inside of a local church and we're just applauding everything that's going on and we are great and we're fantastic, but yet nobody's giving heed uh, to some of the areas where we need to shore up, then that could be problematic in the long term. And then if we're on the outside, we we do, in a sense, create these celebrity pastors. And we really have no idea of what is going on uh, on the inside because we're not on the inside. And that brings me to the final point that I want to make here, and it's the title of episode one in the CT episode series, Who Killed Mars Hill? That is the question that they are asking. And they put forth uh, seven answers. They say Mark Driscoll killed Mars Hill. They say those who defended and insulated him, the rubber stampers, killed Mars Hill. They say that they were those on the inside who brought him down. 
They also said that there were outside voices who thought Mars Hill was either too liberal or too conservative, and so they worked to bring him him and them down. They also said the pot stirrers on social media uh, brought him down. And then finally, and this is the point where I disagree, I, I do not like this point at all. And the final point, who killed Mars Hill, they said, what about us? Why do we keep doing this? Something attracts us. We buy in, and then we watch it fall. I struggle with that statement. Uh, Christianity Today says that we all brought Mars Hill down, and they liken it to the movie The Murder on the Orient Express, where everybody was a part of the murder, not just one person, but everybody was. I do not entirely agree with this point. The fall of Mars Hill was not my fault. And it probably wasn't yours. I mean, I listened to Mark Driscoll back in the mid-aughts, and then I stopped. I, that it, it was wrong, and it was obviously wrong with me. So I didn't support him, condone him, follow him, share him, anything like that. And it was it's just too broad of a categorization. And so I, I, I don't want to be nitpicky on this point, but – but that statement is just not right. And by the way, there's another point here that needs to be made, is that when a church puts forth a leader, and they put forth a pastor, a worship leader, a Sunday school leader, when we as a ministry hire someone for our ministry, our supporters or the congregation, they trust that we have done due diligence because they believe in us. It's not possible for you to vet the people that we vet. It's not possible for you to know all that you need to know about a person. And so you trust us when we put someone, when we install someone on our team, for example, or when they put Mark Driscoll up as the senior pastor. There's an element of trust here, and so we do trust until we can't trust any longer. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.